Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, my name is Scarlett Russell, and I'm the entertainment editor at Style. This is Secrets of the Side Hustle. In this series, I'll be talking to a range of inspiring female founders who've managed to turn their hobby, passion or side hustle into a thriving business. On this episode, I'll be speaking with the founder of Hustle Crew, Abadesi Osasade. Abadesi, welcome to The Secrets of the Side Hustle. Thank you for having me. Really happy to be here. Thank you so much for coming in. So, Abadesi, you are 32 years old. Yes, I am. You were born in Washington, yes. but you moved to England in 2001, yeah. where you now live. Mm -hmm. For eight years, you worked in corporation, big corporations like Amazon, Hotel Tonight, and Groupon, doing account management and business development. Mm -hmm. But in 2016, you founded Hustle Crew, a social enterprise that has helped thousands of women break into tech and further their careers in tech through talks, training, and mentorships. You also host a podcast, Techish and have written a book, Dream Big, Hustle Hard, The Millennium Woman's Guide to Success in Tech. <laughs> wow, there's a lot. So welcome. Can you start by telling me a little bit about your, your personal background? Yeah. I know you grew up, you were born in Washington, yeah. you grew up in Africa. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, so I'm a classic third culture kid and, and that's sort of defined as someone that grows up in a country that's different to the one they were born in or different to the one that their parents are from. Um, and, you know, just like many immigrant children, you know, my parents moved to a new country to kind of have a better life for their family than they did when they were growing up. So my dad is from Nigeria, uh, my mom's from the Philippines, uh, and my dad was a diplomat, like from the beginning of his career, he actually only ever worked in one place, the International Monetary Fund. Um, and so he met my mom in the Philippines uh, in the 70s. And, you know, they kind of moved to D.C. when they got married, started a family, my sister, my brother and me. Um, so I was very much used to being exposed to lots of different cultures and a lot of like diversity of language, of food. Um, traditions. Through my dad's work, I then uh, found myself leaving America. So I kind of went from like a typical kid in the suburbs uh, to living in East Africa. I was in Tanzania from when I was about eight years old. And that was kind of a real culture shock for me. I remember driving from the airport to our home and being really hungry and asking if we could, you know, stop at a McDonald's drive through And my dad saying, oh, you know, there's no McDonald's here. And I was like, oh, that's fine. Burger King will do. <laughs> and he was just like, no, there's, there's no fast food here. And, you know, I had never imagined a world where all of the conveniences I had existed. But I was really grateful to find myself in a place with lots of other 
kids from different countries. And I think in a way that's sort of like where my obsession with inclusion began, because it's something that I took for granted from such a young age. And same sort of thing. I moved to Kenya um, again in international school. I found myself meeting people from Asia, the Middle East, Scandinavia, um, you know, Australia, all these countries that I'd only ever seen on TV. Uh, so, yeah, you know, my personal life is very much defined by being exposed to a variety of cultures and a variety of identities and finding a lot of pleasure and joy in, in being connected with them. What then prompted the move to England? Oh, so um, funnily enough, my dad got transferred to a city that didn't have an international school for my age. So he was a bit like, mm, what do I do? And his work were like, well, just send her to boarding school. That's what everyone else does. So that's how I ended up in England. My dad went to university here. He went to Oxford and he always really admired like the British education system. He also grew up in Nigeria while it was still a colony. So I think, you know, he kind of like really romanticized a lot of those like British values and like British education. So he was like, well, send her to a British boarding school and it'll be great. And I did read a bit of, you know, Enid Blyton when I was like growing <laughs> up. So I was kind of like, OK, Mallory Towers, let's go. Let's do this. Uh, so, yeah, that's how I found myself here. I went to Rhodes which is an all-girls school in Brighton. Wow. <laughs> and what, where, did, where did you go to university? So I went to university in London. My dad did a really good job of convincing me to be an economist too. That was his profession. <laughs> He's retired now. Uh, so yeah, I went to London School of Economics and I studied economics and government. And I really was convinced, you know, as I arrived in my freshers week that I was going to change the world through macroeconomic policy. And then I did like one lecture and thought, oh gosh, <laughs> I am not good enough at maths for this. And everyone around me was so much more passionate about, you know, the quantitative side of the subject that I'd never really explored. And I kind of wondered like, oh, you know, what's my passion? And I really had like a serious quarter life crisis at university because I felt that there were so many people who knew what they were passionate about and I was not one of those people and I really really struggled it's also a very academic university so a lot of time in the library a lot of time studying and that was my first experience of imposter syndrome as well because mm -hmm. I was working so hard and not getting very good grades compared to secondary school and I found myself with a lot of other high performing highly academic students who just couldn't quite reach the levels of success that they were getting in secondary school and I think a lot of people suffer at university as a result of that. I mean it sounds like you're well above average I mean <laughs> you did incredibly well but then pretty soon after that you're working in a big high-pressured high-powered company like Amazon, yeah. Google I believe you worked in these big places. Did you feel comfortable doing those kind of jobs based on what you just said? Did you throw yourself in? Were you a bit out of your depth? Yeah so it's interesting um I was very fortunate to actually start off at the Financial Times as an editorial internship. I was able to get that through a diversity scheme that was run by the company that owned them at the time, Pearson. And I remember in that time sort of thinking, when this internship ends, I'm going to have to make a really scary decision about what to do with my life. And at that point, I still didn't know. I knew that, um, you know, I enjoyed writing, but I didn't want to be a journalist. I would check jobs boards. And, you know, there was really not that many, there were really not that many jobs other than recruitment consultant, which was very confusing. Um, but it was really through watching the film, The Social Network, that right. I became inspired to like go into the tech industry and do something a bit more fast paced. Yes, I exciting. read I read this was going to be my very next question oh, because yeah. I can see the story of how you were kind of getting into tech more and more and then I read that yeah you saw the social network and you had no great idea film. that you great film um and that was your introduction to tech tech startup yeah. and that inspired you to go and do your side hustle exactly Fantastic. the whole time I was at LSE you know which is one of 
the most prestigious institutions in this country, no one had ever said to me, you can work in technology. My idea of what it was to work in technology was to be a software engineer and, you know, write lines of code, create software. And I remember going to careers fairs and you would hear from civil service fast dream, you would hear from management consultants, you'd hear from investment banks, law firms. And I just felt that all of the types of jobs that were possible had already been presented to me. And then suddenly through a film, I was like, hang on a minute, you can work in tech and not code. You can join a startup and not only earn a salary, but also own a part of the company, have equity. And if you work really, really hard, you might you know, go public and be a billionaire. I was like, sign me up for this. I want to retire early. And I mean, like, yeah. if you ever meet Aaron Sorkin, he'll be <laughs> delighted to hear this. He's basically inspired your entire yeah. new career. So right. OK, so tell Tell me then how, tell me the story of, of Hustle Crew, mm. how it started and how, how you got it off the ground. Yeah, so um, it was 2016 and I found myself working in a startup and my job was to uh, work in markets like Ireland and Manchester with our hotel partners, basically doing business development. So getting them to give us rooms that we could sell on our app instead of giving them to booking.com or hotels.com or any other competitor. And we had a few positions open up for business development interns. Being one of the few women in the office, I thought it was going to be a really exciting opportunity to just add a bit of diversity to our team. And, you know, the the culture of that office was quite male influenced. So, you know, there was like a lot of ping pong tournaments going on all the time. Uh, it wouldn't be unusual to be on a call with a client and have one like, you know, swing by your head, ping pong ball swinging by your head. <laughs> um, you know, boys like ogling girls on Instagram, like things which you know, probably should not have been done if we were trying to be as professional as we could be. And I just felt if there were more of a, you know, female influence in the office, maybe we could have a better balance and, you know, maybe it would just be a lot nicer to work in personally. Mm. Um, So I thought it would be really exciting to bring some women into these business development internships. And even though we interviewed some really strong candidates, I mean, certainly I thought they were strong and got to the point where, you know, all of the positions were filled by men. And I remember having a conversation with one of my colleagues, another manager on the team, and I said to him, you know, we had some really great women in that talent pool. Like, why didn't we make offers to any of them? And, you know, he kind of like mansplained this answer that ended with, and anyway, you know, girls don't know how to hustle. (gasps) And I was just like flabbergasted because I just thought, well, first of all, how did Eve get Adam to eat the apple? (laughs) Like, we are the original hustlers. This is like totally like untrue and also when you're an intern you're taught stuff on the job so you don't need to come I I certainly don't believe you need to come with all the skills and all the know-how what you need to come with is the potential and then be groomed you know groomed and trained and etc so yeah so I I started to realize that there was something kind of fundamentally broken within tech in terms of like how we recruit how we assign value to individuals uh, how we operate and the more I read into it and the more research I did, the more I realized the like consequences for society of having a tech industry that, you know, is still 80% men. Um, we rely so much on technology. We wake up and check our phones. We're using like social media. It's influencing our thoughts. It's influencing our decisions. It's influencing government policy. And then there's just one homogenous group of people that design it and create it and build it and maintain it. And I just thought that's kind of terrifying because what will the future look like? Uh, it probably won't be 
a lot better than the present uh, unless I do something different about it. And I was so dissatisfied with (laughs) the team I was on and this wider issue that I quit my job and started Hustle Crew. And it's funny because I originally didn't really know what it would be. I just knew that I wanted to do a workshop where I talked about some of these skills that my colleagues claimed women didn't have. So, you know, the very first workshop was how do we sell ourselves effectively in an interview or in any other setting and there were a dozen women sitting around the table and the first part of it almost ended up like group therapy where women started sharing stories of times where they actually tried really hard to pitch themselves for a role but got shut down or put themselves forward for a promotion but got shut down and then we started to realize like there are a lot of uh obstacles that women face which are unique to women that we don't really talk about until we're all together and invited to share Uh, and that's been a big part of what Hustle Crew is like creating a space for women to talk about things that affect them at work that they don't otherwise get a chance to talk about. I also wrote my book to find more people too (laughs) because I kind of thought well a lot of the meetups that we do at Hustle Crew and a lot of the mentoring sessions I participated in uh, seemed to surface the same questions and the same challenges. How do I find a mentor? Uh, how do I negotiate an offer? How do I find a role that's right for me, a role that I will really enjoy? So I just thought, well, why don't I just like write a book so I could like answer all these common questions and then it's like a scalable way to help. And at which point were you doing this? Did you realise that actually you could quit, quit your job and make this your your primary source of income, yeah. your career? Um, so it's it's funny because it got to um, it got to a point where I was in the Princess Trust Enterprise Program, and that meant that I could really focus on it full time, develop a business model that would generate income you know that's the first time I learned how to do things like forecasts so a forecast is when you sort of map out on a calendar how much money you think your business will make every month and then based on that you can sort of think oh I could live on this like you know this is a salary this covers our operating costs um but then (laughs) you know it, it was actually really difficult to like maintain a lifestyle in London as well as being a bootstrapping founder um and you know I worked on on Hustle Crew full-time for about a a year before I went back into full-time work and making it a side hustle. And funnily enough, when I went back to Product Hunt, uh, well, when I went to Product Hunt, which was the the startup that I worked at uh, whilst doing Hustle Crew as a side hustle in 2017, it actually helped my business. Like, going from full-time to side hustle was, one, better for my mental health, because suddenly I had like a reliable recurring income again. Um, but secondly, I had access to a new network with my employer that could actually create opportunities for Hustle Crew as a business. Wow. So I read you worked 80 hours a week. Is that true? <laughs> it, it is, sadly. Um, I'm trying to do less. But I think in my very first uh, tech job at Groupon, I really got into this habit of doing these 12-hour days. And that was very normal. And I think it remains very normal for you know, high growth startups, you know, you'd come in at nine, you'd leave at nine. And what I found with Hustle Crew and particularly as a side hustle is you, you know, you do your full day, which is like nine hours. And then you do the evening working on your side hustle. So you kind of just do another half day of work again. Um, 
but you know it's it's not healthy and it's not something that I'd like advocate at all um I think a lot of people who are interested in entrepreneurship are workaholics and probably have like an unhealthy work-life balance so it's certainly something I'm trying to work on do you work those full hours then Monday to Friday and have the give yourself the weekend off do you work weekends no, so I usually work weekends so mm-hmm. I would usually work more like Monday to Saturday similar hours and then do Sunday evenings as well if you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers with Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC your lip look whether it's subtle or bold can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today that's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I am interested in, you've talked about the tech industry being overwhelmingly white and male. So how have they reacted to you coming in there you know millennial woman of color coming in shaking things up for the better what are the kind of can you talk me talk me through some of the the positive responses and the negative responses you've had sure um so positive responses I've worked with a number of tech companies uh, and venture capital firms so venture capital firms are like the people that invest in tech startups to do workshops around inclusion and you know in that workshop it's quite intense so I I ask them why is your team not diverse by default you know why are there not more women here more working class people here disabled people you know people of color Muslim people and you know at, at, at first thought people don't really know because they think they've been pursuing you know meritocracy uh, and then I, I teach them about structural oppression so I talk about things like patriarchy you know this mm-hmm. idea this idea of a system where most people in power are men and women are then excluded from power. And I talk about things like white supremacy, this idea that, you know, the white race is superior to others. And, you know, it's really intense stuff that we haven't really spoken about before and learned about at university. And people, you know, 
when they have a positive reaction to it are very willing to engage they're like what podcasts can I listen to what books can I read I want to know more about um you know queer culture I want to know more about disabled culture I want to know more about Muslim culture I want to be more mindful of my privilege you know we talk a lot about privilege as well where people forget that you know if you say you're only going to hire from Oxbridge for example the percentage of students at Oxbridge that are black or BAME is like single percentages so you're already through that process limiting yourself to mostly hiring white people and suddenly they're like oh I'm going to like start doing research into what universities have um, you know other ethnicities and other socioeconomic classes because that's the thing that I want to hire for so I think that is really positive um, when people have a very negative reaction um, it's often people responding immediately with a feeling of defensiveness. Uh, and that generally, as you know, being a journalist, never really helps drive a conversation forward. If you say as a group, let's have a conversation about, you know, what privileges we have, not in a judgmental way, but almost just to be aware of how privilege, even though we don't choose it, still benefits us to some degree. You'll have people who will be like, oh, well, you know, um, I, I've suffered in life too. And having privilege doesn't mean you haven't had a hard time. You know, life is full of hard times. That's sort of like its definition. Um, but it means that you have to acknowledge that your experience of the world is probably very different to the underrepresented people that you're now trying to attract into your organization. So that's when the responses have been very negative. And I've heard a lot of things, um, you know, where people have said things like, um, I have just never met a woman that is qualified for this role, which I just find impossible to believe. I'm just like, you know, you have to laugh because it's so absurd. You're like, that can't be true. Or they'll say, but aren't men just better at X or men just better at Y? And, you know, I'll push them. I'll be like, well, where is the evidence of that? Because a lot of the things that we we believe um, are actually just like narratives. They're just stories that we've told and we've heard. But when we really look for the evidence behind those stories, it doesn't exist. I suppose it's it, it's because these industries are so overwhelmingly male. Yes. You, you're almost conditioned to just think, oh, oh, that's a man's job. You know, yeah. this is, it, it's without even thinking, that's just our go-to I'll go to reaction to it when actually, well, no, the only reason more men are doing it is because more men are giving the opportunities. You know, it needs to be an industry that is not, that is inclusive of everyone, as you're saying. Do you think that's getting better now? Um, when we look at the data, um, there are a number of tech companies, most of them headquartered in Silicon Valley, that actually publish stats on the percentages of women, the percentages of black people, um, the percentages of disabled people, LGBTQIA. Of course, not everyone necessarily like discloses what they are because we're still not in a perfect system where people maybe want to like reveal that. But what we find is a downward trend. So what we find is, for example, with a company like Facebook, there are fewer black people working in Facebook now than there were two years ago. You know, with the Google walkout, we realize like a lot of people uh, in the trans and queer community don't necessarily like feel safe working in these organizations. A lot of women don't feel safe working in tech because of all the sexual harassment scandals that have happened. So um, I, f I, I feel like in some degree it's getting better because we are having more of the conversations. But when we look at like the cold, hard facts, it's just not. Um, and then if you look at statistics around female entrepreneurship, you know, what percentage of funding goes to women? Unfortunately, it's not getting better and certainly not at a pace that I'd like it to be. I think one of the problems is 
unfortunately tech is it's almost a dirty word mm, because a lot yeah. of i can't the amount of times i hear oh i'm just not very techy and actually the fact that we use our smartphones yeah. for everything in our life i think everyone is techy of course i think actually when you you know you've taught so much about tech you've written books about tech what is tech? Yeah. To, what does that mean now? What are the jobs? Because you've said just have coding, all these things that are really intimidating. Yes. Actually, a lot of people can go on Squarespace or Wix and build a website. It's of course. Not that difficult. Exactly. What are the opportunities and the jobs that are in tech that people might not realize are under the tech banner? Yeah. Um, so you're quite right. Tech is everywhere. I mean, a car is tech, a record player is tech. You know, there's hardware, which is physical stuff, there's software. As you pointed out, technology um, is so broad. Social media is a type of technology. But also, if you think of a tech company, you know, let's say Google, one of the most famous ones, they still have a legal department. So you can be a lawyer in a tech company. They have a finance department. You could be an accountant in a tech company. They have an HR department. You could be a recruiter or an office manager in a tech company. They have editorial teams. You know, you could be a journalist. You could be a writer. You know, there are philosophers working for tech companies now because they've got ethics departments. So it's almost what job isn't in tech. You know, if you're creative, you could be a graphic designer. Um, If you love education, you could be a facilitator. You could be a trainer. I feel like there are really no limits. I mean, there are tech companies employing chefs now because they want to cook for their team. So, I mean, I guess they don't leave on their lunch break and stay on their computer. I don't know. But, you know, you could be a gourmet chef working for a tech company. There's probably few jobs that you could not find in a tech company if you look hard enough. And and just bringing it back to Hustle Crew, this is basically what, what the, this is the key message you get across. And this is why, what you, how you want to help women. Yeah. Um, uh, not just women, right? Or, or... Yeah, women and other underrepresented mm. people. What I want to remind them of is we will be most successful when we find roles that align with our skills and our interests. And there's like no shortage of roles w- within the industry. So, you know, whatever it is you're passionate about, whatever it is you love to do, I will help you find something in tech that lets you do that. And it's been incredible to see the types of roles that women have gone into. Um, You know, a small minority have actually decided to be software engineers, which is like a really traditional way of doing it. You know, they've done a boot camp, they've gone into a role, but so many others have gone on to do amazing things, client relationship managers, working, you know, within um, like social impact within tech, working within... Um, education within tech, working within content creation within tech, digital marketing, Mm. um, campaigning, community organizing, so many different things that really you could do in other jobs, but I feel it's so urgent to do in tech because tech needs women so much. And so it, just to, to clarify exactly what Hustle is, you, it is essentially this, you, you pay membership and you get talks and advice and coaching and mentorship and leads into um, jobs, career opportunities and networking with other people. And, and that's essentially what it is. So uh, Hustle Crew is free for individuals. So you can sign up to the mailing list. You can attend our meetups that we do every month in the South Bank Centre. You can connect with any of our mentors who are listed in the directory as long as you introduce yourself and say, hey, I found you on Hustle Crew and I'd love to get your advice about X. Um, and if you are a business, if you're a company and you want to invest in this support, in these talks and these trainings in their workshops, for people in your organization, um, you know, that's how we make money. 
Okay. How many mentors have you got? Ooh, um, now like over 50. Over 50? Yeah, across all the different types of tech. So from marketing to social media, engineering, product, growth, business development. Yeah. And you, you hired all of them? You had the lot. So um, the first 30 were my friends. <laughs> so other people in tech who were like, yeah, there are really, you know, not enough women in my team, not enough people of color in my team. Anything I can do to connect with more of them would be fantastic. And then really just word of mouth. There are so many people who are passionate about this mission of making tech more representative of the society that is using tech, that it's really not been difficult to find people that want to mentor younger people. And have you had investment at all along the way? I have not had investment. So um, I've bootstrapped the company this whole time. Um, I own 100% of it. Um, yeah, we're still alive. Wow. <laughs> and and you're making now enough to have a, a, to comfortably live. You don't regret leaving your job or not at all. I think um, you know I do consulting work when I don't have enough work from Hustle Crew coming in, and I think that's something that's quite common with like full time entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've even dabbled with like guest lecturing in the past. Um, I you know I write for the press that generates income too, mm-hmm. uh, but I I definitely have no regrets because. You know, I remember those first few weeks of university and thinking I will never find my passion. I will never find, you know, a career that I love. And now I have. So it's pretty cool. I just love that. I just keep on thinking back to that man who told you that women just don't know how to hustle. I, I would love him to listen to this podcast. Yes. Well, maybe he will. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, so, um, Abadesi, I wanted to ask you a couple of um, what she said questions. Cool. This is our, based on our column on the magazine, what she said. And it's just to give some practical advice, really, to our listeners um, sure. about business and the emotional side of business Mm. as well number one how do you pull yourself together on a hard day oh good question um I think it's very difficult because I'm quite an emotionally aware person like my I wear my heart on my sleeve and there are some days where I wake up in a funk I don't know I might be on my period I might be thinking about something sad um that's happened to me that I can't shake it out of my mind and I just know that I won't be productive that day um and I think one of the things that I really encourage you know myself and other people I care about to do is acknowledge when it's going to be one of those days where you really can't shake that funk because I think we need to prioritize our mental health and trying to kind of grin and bear it sometimes makes us feel a lot worse so I guess it depends like if it is a really 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 bad day I might have to give myself a duvet day and I think it's awesome that there are companies out there that let you have a duvet day like you can just call in and be like I'm taking a duvet day or some companies call them a mental health day I suppose that's one of the benefits of of working for yourself and having your own hours is you can pick and choose when you need that that time off if you're in a if you're working for someone else, however, and mm. having a bad day at work, it's not possible for you to take a day off. You mentioned the apps that are quite good, just actually getting outside, getting some fresh air yeah. and clearing your head. Um, what what are some good a- apps and are there any conversations perhaps people could, should be having with their bosses or, or anything yeah. that they can do in the office? I think if you're in like quite a restricted environment but still feel like you need additional support, definitely being able to go to like a prayer room meditation room lactation room anything that's just away from everyone else and being able to have a private moment to yourself would be great I mentioned Simple Habit I mentioned Headspace there are wonderful apps like Allo Bud as well that actually notify you and remind you to take time away from your desk so you can set it up to you know remind yourself 
yourself or whatever, like drink water, like take a deep breath. And I think that's wonderful. I also think it's really important, and this is particularly for women or anyone else who is a minority in their workplace, find other people in your building that you really trust and who really care about you. And if you're having a really horrible day, just go on a tea break with them because sometimes we just need someone to vent to or someone who can listen to us, you know, free of judgment. You don't need, you know, advice. You just need someone to be there and to listen. So if you can find those people, um, then you can take a little time out with them and then maybe they can kind of check in on you later in the day and see if you're feeling any better. That's that's really great advice. I'm, I'm also inspired now to ask my editor to install a, a meditation room in the Sunday <laughs> Times. I think that will go down very well. Nice. Um, so second, I, this is a question I think will help a lot of listeners. How can I be assertive without being disliked? Ooh. And I think this is really one I hate to generalise, but I think this affects women a lot. Oh, yeah, definitely. The, this, I mean, you know, Beyonce called this out because she was like, you know, I'm bossy, not bitchy. Mm. And it's really interesting because if you look at research by Lean In Org and McKinsey's Women in the Workplace study, we find double standards are rife in the workplace. So the exact same actions that men are rewarded for, for example, assertiveness, Mm. when emulated by a woman, become negative things. Um, So um, I think there are a number of things that women can do. First of all, if you've been on the receiving end of feedback, like, oh, she's a bit unlikable because she's too intense or she's too bossy or whatever, you know, push for evidence. So say, can you give me an example of a time that that happened or a time where you felt like that and what you'll often find is people don't really like have examples uh, because they're sort of just letting stereotypes feed into their minds and I think as listeners and as individuals one thing that we can do is when we hear a woman being described as you know unlikable or annoying or whatever we can also push for examples then and be like oh I actually think she's really good at her job can you give me an example of why you think that and then I think in terms of how to be assertive you know and still be likable I'm a really big believer in being authentic Mm. I think there was an era of time in the workplace and I've seen this in a lot of women managers that I've worked with in the past where we had to be like men to be respected you know you see a lot of women power dressing and like all this kind of stuff and I think I'm very grateful for the fact that the world's moved on a bit and we're sort of like embracing femininity and the intersectionality of what it is to be a woman and how many different nuances there are within that so I would say you know if you are authentic and you do your job well then there will be little evidence people can hold against you for why they shouldn't like you um and then the other thing I'd say as well is like it's very important to have allies whether you're a woman or any other type of minority in your office, it's very important to have allies. And what I mean by an ally is, you know, not only friends that support you from similar identities, but also like people from the status quo that support you. So, you know, if there is like a straight white guy manager that really likes your work, like get him on side. And if someone calls you out for something, you know, you shouldn't always have to be the one to defend yourself. Get that manager, get that ally to remind, you know, the critic of the incredible things that you've achieved. Um, So yeah, it's almost like having this combination of different tactics and strategies available and then depending on the situation where we're being criticized, being able to pull on the resource that would be the most helpful in that moment. Fantastic, such great advice. Um, Okay, Abadesi, I have some quick fire questions for you. This is is my favorite round, okay. Um, What is the first thing you do when you wake up? 
I hate to admit this, but I check my phone. Is <laughs> <laughs> in check social media, check emails, or um, all of it. Yeah, all all of the bad things, all of my notifications. Yeah, I want to say like I get up out of bed and then I do meditation and a sun salutation, but no, I just check my phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, when are you most productive? Ooh, first thing in the morning. Okay. So I yeah I'm definitely not like a night owl kind of person I find that when I've like woken up from a slumber my brain is just like hyper 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 so that's why I would often like to just like check my phone decide what's going to be the first thing that I do make a cup of tea open my laptop and that first hour or two of the day is worth as much as like the last five or six yeah I completely agree yes (laughs) it's always get up do it freshen your head and then okay so um laptops in bed yes or no oh Yes, definitely. I mean, there are some days where I have to work, but I also cannot get out of bed. So then the compromise is working from bed. And I know it's probably not very healthy, but there's something quite, I don't know, it's quite nice, I think, about like being able to like be in your PJs under your duvet, but then also doing stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, drinking with your boss, yes or no? Wow. Um, I'm going to have to say yes, because I've done this so many times. Drinking is actually a really big part of tech culture and startup culture. And there are thankfully a lot more movements that are starting to challenge this. Um, I There are so many people that don't drink for a number of reasons. So I hope it does change that pressure to kind of like fit in. And I mean, most tech companies that I've worked at didn't actually have any team bonding events that didn't involve alcohol, uh, which I think is just like horrible. And then you start to understand why there are so few parents in tech and so few Muslim people in tech or so few, you know, anything else. Uh, But yeah, I mean, drinking with the boss is something that I've done. uh, But I, I hope we're moving towards a world where you don't feel like you have to drink. Okay, and finally, taking a full lunch hour, yes or no? I I am such a big believer in this. I've been told off for this in the past. Like I once went to like a yoga class and I was told, why are you taking your full lunch hour? And I was literally like, it's illegal for you to not let me when it's in our contract. I had to literally remind a manager of that. But, you know, productivity is about taking breaks. You know, I studied economics. I know all about diminishing returns. Like the longer you stay in a screen, the less you're getting out of it. So, yeah, wow, take your lunch that's hour. That's really true, is it? Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, we should all be taking... It's hard though, isn't it? Because you get so... It's it's hard to... It's almost about being assertive, isn't it? By saying, no, mm. I am legally allowed to take my lunch. If you're working in a culture where no one takes the lunch hour, yes. you don't want to be that person who's taking their full lunch yeah. hour, but you are entitled to it and you will be all the more productive for it, is I know what you're pe- saying. I agree. I know people who are thinking of taking up smoking just so that they have a legitimate excuse to leave the building. Oh, wow. And I just kind of think, has it got that bad out mm. there? Like... Let's just have conversations about how we're going to be more productive if we take breaks. And I think if you're the kind of leader that's judging people for taking breaks, that says more about you than it does about their commitment to work and productivity. Fantastic. Lastly, Abadesi, can you tell me what the future is for Hustle Crew? What are your plans for the next, I don't know, two years, three years, five years? Ooh, yes. Um, so that's a good question. Hustle Crew was about how to break into tech and how to get into tech. And I think the future uh, of Hustle Crew will probably be kind of like passing the torch on to all the new communities that are doing that. Because when I first started, there weren't really that many. But now there are loads. You know, there's Foundervine, there's YSYS, uh, people of color in tech. Um, These are all communities that are doing a similar mission of making tech more inclusive really really well so I think I would like to switch focus to helping women who are now already in tech get into leadership roles get funding as female founders so it'll be about 
applying that same mission to, you know, slightly older people and or people slightly more advanced in their careers because that's when we'll really make lasting change when we can actually change not just the representation of workers but the representation at a leadership level and how do people find out more about hustle crew well they can um go on hustlecrew.co and check out our website they can follow hustle crew live on twitter instagram and facebook Uh, and they can also reach out to me at abadesi on twitter instagram or wherever you find me abadesi usansade Thank you so much for joining us on The Secrets of the Side Hustle. You've been such an interesting and insightful guest. Thank you you so much. Thank you. Once again, we have come to the end of our show. Thank you all so much for listening. And please remember to share the podcast with friends, family, and maybe that one person you know is thinking of starting their own little side hustle. And of course, subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. I've been Scarlett Russell, and this has been Secrets of the Side Hustle, brought to you by Benefit Cosmetics UK. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.